Welcome to the EO Podcast. I'm J.D. Kindle. The end of the year always brings the obligatory year-end best of lists. So uh, for this year, instead of me doing all the compiling of a large comprehensive year-end best of list, I decided that I would round up a panel of diverse opinions from across the EO readership to share with me what uh, their thoughts are on what the year's best albums, best films, and best TV shows are. Uh, This panel... um, I guess we'll just uh, get to introducing them. First up, I have Anson Crane. He is an assistant DJ out of KCUW and a turntablist DJ under the name DJ Big Whisper. Anson, how are you doing? How you doing? Good, good. Thank you for being here. Uh, Roberta Lavador, director, uh, executive director of the Pendleton <coughs> Center for the Arts. Hey, J.D., and how are you? Good, good. Nice to see you. You too. And then uh, our youth voice of the panel, uh, Journey Han, a uh, student at Pendleton High School and um, also a um, uh, active member of the Oregon East Symphony and um, I'm sure plenty of other activities as well. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, so uh, I had uh, all the panelists come up with um, a list of their top three albums of the year, their top three films, their top three TV shows, and then they could also have an honorable mention. So that could be anything from the world of arts and culture that they just want to bring attention to. Um, and since 2015 isn't officially over yet, um, I think it's legal to uh, go back and pick something from uh, December of 2014. Uh, if if you must. Um, so anyway, uh, I guess I'll start off the uh, the three albums uh, segment, and then we'll just go around uh, the table. My top three: Gassi Ross um, is Kutsik. He's a um, uh, primarily he's a Native American uh, speaker and author and uh, attorney from the Seattle area. But he released this album. It's a um, kind of. A, it, it's a spoken word album, uh, but it, it kind of uh, delves in the realm of hip hop, like more avant-garde hip hop, like you'd um, hear on like um, uh, Anticon uh, records. And um, it was it was one of the first releases on uh, Cabin Games Records, which is a Native American-owned uh, record label started by a couple of former employees of Sub Pop. So um, yeah, I just thought it was a really great uh, uh, regional hip hop album. Um, Courtney Barnett, sometimes I sit here and think, or sometimes I just sit. I think I got the name right. It's a mouthful. But uh, it was very um, <clears throat> kind of uh, – she has, she has very – this gal from Melbourne, Australia, she has a very monotone uh, kind of delivery. Uh, kind of sounds a lot like Lou Reed, and she just kind of has these rambling, very poetic uh, uh, songs. Then my, uh, my third album for the year was um, – uh, Strike Anywhere by Catskills, and Catskills is a um, band from La Grande, Oregon. And uh, this is a pretty cool um, rock album. It kind of sounds like a early '70s kraut rock in a way. There's a, my, my favorite track on the album is 15 minute long uh, drum solo uh, that has a spoken word. Um, uh, recitation over it by uh, David Axelrod, who's um, a uh, language arts instructor at uh, Eastern Oregon University. So yeah, it was kind of a you know local avant-garde uh, rock and roll album. Hanson, what what do you have? For 2015, I was, I was trying to go through and and list a lot of albums that you had asked for, and uh, I just kind of came down to like the top three albums that caught my attention in 2015. <laughs> More than pretty much what I listen to, I guess. Sure. Um, obviously, the, and you pay attention to hip hop and 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 music like that. 
uh, Compton came out by Dr. Dre, which a lot of people were, it was like curious to see what people thought about that one. Yeah, because it yeah. was kind of like he didn't release the detox, but yeah, you've been so. hearing about detox for years, and it was just like it was this guy who hadn't put out year, you know, had done features, and everybody was kind of curious what was going to happen. So I think that's one of the ones that everybody was like, oh, you know, like it finally came out, and it was it was decent, you know, it wasn't bad, it wasn't groundbreaking as the other ones. It was just kind of in the middle. Had some good singles. Had some kind of what you expect on it. Um, I wasn't. I listened to it for maybe like a, I checked it out, listened to it, and then called it good. And threw it, chose, pulled what I wanted out to use in my sets, and then called it good. One of the one albums I was actually uh, excited about, and which just which which really good to me was um, Marilyn Manson's "The Pale Emperor." Mm-hmm. That came out in 2015. And I listened to that from front to back, and. Those one of the few albums. There's not many albums nowadays where you can hit play and go more than one song without changing it. I find that on that one, I went maybe three or four songs in a row before I had to skip a few. So yeah. that was a good one. Well, Marilyn Manson still frightening parents. Uh, uh, not 20, so much actually. On. I think that was a good thing. About, <laughs> that was a good thing about the album is I've been into him since um, Portrait of American Family, and you kind of as you get older, you're kind of like okay, like. His last two or three albums were kind of like, kind of fell short. Like, still trying. I don't. I don't want to say still trying to be what you were. Still trying to be shocking. This is kind of more artistic. It was. It was really good. Really good rhythms laid out. It was. Uh, I mean, I liked his past albums not as much as this one. Though. Um. I mean, but yeah. So that was number two. Number three, which was a good rock album that I listened to quite a bit, was uh, Hailstorms album came out. Hailstorms. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, Hailstorm, Lizzie Hale is their lead singer. I listen to a lot of I listen to a, I listen to a lot of music. I don't just listen to to uh, some days I listen to all DJ mixing hip hop. Some days I listen to rock. Lately, lately I've been listening to a lot of um, punk and everything else. So, but I think these are the albums I was had to really think about the ones I had in rotation on my iPod. These are the three that I had a lot. And there's other ones too, like Snow the Product came out with a mixtape and. A lot of mixtape stuff like that, but I think the top three albums I listen to a lot, be it spring, summer, fall, winter, was those. Because I actually just listened to Hailstorm the other day, so yeah. those are my three. All right. Roberta, what, what's on your uh, top three album list? Well, I realized that I hadn't been listening to any full uh, CDs of, of music. You know, I get in a bad habit of throwing on Pandora and just kind of sampling different things and it'd been a while since I'd really delved into an album and just played it until I got sick of it and I love that and I had finally worn out my uh, Lisa Hannigan CISO album from uh, years ago and was ready for something new and I love um, Stephen Thompson who's the music editor for NPR has some really great uh, recommendations and um, so I listen to those sometimes on a podcast that I catch and discovered Joan Shelley who is a singer, guitar player, um, kind of a folk musician from Kentucky, uh, wonderful songwriting, uh, really beautiful lyrics, and really kind of in the um, kind of in the mold of a of a early Joni Mitchell. And as the um, 
I'm, I'm guessing my, my place in this diversity is old, old person. Um, and uh, <laughs> oh. Court and Spark was um, such a, a big influence in the music that I've liked all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny Mitchell's Court and Spark. And so this kind of harkened back to that a little bit. And, and so I've really enjoyed kind of delving into it. And I haven't listened to it enough that I really have gotten into all the pieces, which is a really good place to be for me. I'm really looking forward to playing it more. And then the other one that I really loved this year was um, Florence and the Machine. She has a new um, CD out called How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. And um, Florence Florence Welch is British and uh, has a really amazing voice. And it's just kind of upbeat and catchy and diverse and and again it's just one that i'm really enjoying kind of working my way through journey what what was on your top three list um well my absolute number one is surf by donnie trumpet and the social experiment overall it's it's mostly a hip-hop kind of jazzy album and it's i've been listening to it since it came out so it was was free on itunes Mm -hmm. and i've worn it out if, so if you can wear it out, if, I, if I can wear out a digital copy, I've worn it out. <coughs> I've listened to this at least one song every day. Um, my second is, of course, Adele, twenty-five. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, honestly. And my third is the Epic by Kamasi Washington. So he usually plays with Kendrick Lamar. And it came out with this jazz album, and it came up on my jazz station on Pandora at least five different times within one day. And I checked it out, and it's 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 nice. It's really interesting, and it's really upbeat. Hmm. What, what does he play? He plays saxophone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Cool. Two two Kendrick Lamar related uh, releases. On, on our album list. <laughs> All right, top three films. Anson can start this round off. Anson, what are your top three films of the year? Uh, 2015, I also like films. Um, I was a film student, so I could usually I get into like independent films and everything. Mm-hmm. But some of the mainstream movies that caught my attention this year was the first one was Mad Max: Fury Road. I actually took somebody to see that. Who hadn't even seen any of the Mad Max movies? Oh. And we went out to the theater at the casino and watched it. And I read up about it, and I was—I had seen the original movie, so that was one that I was into. Mm-hmm. Not only for the fact that it was a good—I thought it was a good story. I mean, it was just—it wasn't just uh, like when you go see Transformers. Like if you're gonna want to see robots beat each other up for 90 minutes, you pretty much go see Transformers for that. It had a good story. It had a good. Uh, Good point all throughout. So Mad Max Fury Road was my number one pick. I was actually excited to see that. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, that, that actually sits on the top of my list as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was... Um, so that one was actually where I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember I was at work and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to see... I'm going to text somebody. We're going to see that today. Uh, second one, uh, Inside Out. You know, um, I got three kids and and we checked it out. And, you know... Pixar is known for that, that that trying to make you cry moment, you know. But I think I think that they did a, a good a good job of not only breaking down, I guess something like emotions, but just making it very simplistic to the point where my four year old knows exactly who they are, hmm. you know. And he know not only does he know who they are, but he knows what their roles are. 
you know, like anger, you yeah. know, everything else like that, but joy and everything. Inside Out was a good movie. I thought it was really cool. Did, did you cry? Oh, of course I cried, dude. <laughs> a couple points in there, man, where that girl's just like, I ain't gonna lie, where that girl's just, uh, she finally goes home or she finally realizes, you know, like, she finally gets joy back and then everything lights up and she, like, wants to go home. It's just like, it makes you like, man, I wish some people would find their joy, you know? It just makes you kind of, you kind of, as an adult, you're like, wow, you kind of get, oh, so this interacts with this and, you know. And then when Big Bong disappears, I mean, come on now. Yeah. So... Anyways, yeah, I'll admit it. <laughs> Third one was The Martian. I thought it was a good movie. Uh, last year I got into Interstellar. Everybody was like, that movie was boring. I got into it. I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm into the to stars and all that other stuff. And then The Martian was... I don't know. I think I just like not only the movie, but the um, director of photography's job. Mm-hmm. The photography you see in the background. Scenery, concepts... It wasn't just the basic storyline. Guy gets stuck on Mars. Starts going yeah. good, faces dilemma, starts going good, faces dilemma, gets home, end of movie. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite just like cast away on Mars. No, no, it wasn't. You know, it was like they, they, had, they had obvious obvious conflicts, but it was something that actually was like, okay, I can see that really happening. Like where he's got to get somewhere, but he's only got enough energy or fuel to make it certain number of miles but he's had to go like quadruple that or you know it just it wasn't stuff that just came out of nowhere like there mm-hmm. was a fire out of nowhere or something you know so i thought the martian was was a good one those are the ones that stood out to me so that was my three for All right. well, i know i didn't throw star wars in there but well, <laughs> you know. i don't know have you seen star wars yet no I you fought actually. people yeah <laughs> no that's i no there's that thing called FMO, Fear of Missing Out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> worried about missing out I'll on check Star Wars. It out. I'll check it out, but it's just been really busy lately. You yeah. know, I mean, I got time someday. I'll be like, okay, let's go check it out. I've heard good things about it. Roberta, what's on your list? Oh, let's see. Well, first, I think we ought to give a little shout-out to Wild Horse because they do such a great job giving us a really great place to go see movies. Yeah. It's great sound. It makes it so much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, the the film I liked the best was Straight Outta Compton, and it was kind of, it was very informative as a, as a parent who um, did not listen to any music of that style, um, but had a teenager who was really into it mm-hmm. and was very alarmed by that. Um, I, it was very eye opening to see that this was not just a, um, uh, kind of a rebellion, you know, on, I mean, that it, that it had deep roots, that they were really way ahead of their time in terms of calling out injustice and looking at, um, profiling and, and just all the things that are pretty mainstream concepts today. And they were calling it out, but the style of the music and the profanity and everything else was so alarming to people that were outside of a, of a fairly small group that nobody listened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wasn't listening, and even though they were really pointing out what we're fighting against today. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I still kind of question, I, I, I wonder if, if uh, you know, uh, a lot of the teenagers that were listening to it at that time really understood any of that. Um, really, we're listening to it in, in context, mm-hmm. or just liked the, or just wanted the shock value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And I know Peter and I have had discussions about you know how factually 
correct it is and whatnot. But it was, I have a friend I go to the movies with, and, and almost always we go out to the to the parking lot, and she'll say, where'd you fall asleep? I'll fill you in, because I almost always fall asleep in a movie. And this was one that I was just really wrapped the whole time. And it's a long film, mm-hmm. but it went by really fast. And then um, the other one that I had on my list, I'm kind of a t- movies... I, um, I'm kind of a tough moviegoer. Like, I'm very critical moviegoer. But I did love The Martian, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, everything that you said about it was was really true. And I thought uh, Matt Damon was uh, really played it in a low-key... You know, anything is about problem-solving. You know, yeah. my trigger. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And that was... I really couldn't come up with a third one. Uh, there was a, really another one that I did not sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you would have a third one, but you, you slept through it, whatever it was. You, don't, exactly. don't, you slept through the ride to the theater. <laughs> exactly. Journey, what's on, uh, what's on your list? Uh, Top well, films. Well, my number one is The Force Awakens, Star oh. Wars. I, I actually just saw it yesterday. Okay. So it's a nice nostalgia hit. Um, Jurassic World, another nostalgia hit, and Inside Out. I really like that. I, I felt it, you know, right in my heart. Uh, yeah. You did you cry too? Uh, oh yes, right. I I cried during <laughs> all three movies, all three of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a good movie does to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. If it can pull at the heartstrings. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, Mad Max that 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 uh, pulled at my heartstrings. Um, that was a nice, nice entry into the the Mad Max uh, universe. The second film on my list was uh, Green Inferno, uh, directed by Eli Roth. Um, this was a this was a cannibal film. I think it was only like shown for like one week over in Hermiston, but um, this was. Uh, very like obvious homage to like these Italian uh, cannibal films that came out in like the early '80s. You had like um, they were kind of like these video nasties. There was like Cannibal Holocaust, I think, was the most uh, um, uh, notorious one. But um, yeah, it was just a very very nice, like funny, campy throwback to that uh, that genre, that you know, very specific subgenre of film. Um, uh, I highly enjoyed it. And then beyond that, uh, I had uh, Entertainment, uh, directed by Rick Alverson, which uh, I reviewed for the EO about a month ago, and that's a very, very stark um, film starring uh, probably my favorite comedian, uh, Neil Hamburger. Roberta. Yeah. Top three TV shows. Ooh. I do watch a lot of TV. Okay. That's probably why I don't, don't yeah. listen to as much music <laughs> and go to the movies as much. Um, but there is good TV out there. I mean, I think it's really interesting that years ago everybody thought reality TV was going to kill kill writing. Um, and writing for TV right now is, is really good. Um, one that I'm, uh, I worked my way through pretty quickly was Aziza Ansari's uh, new bit, uh, Master of None. Mm-hmm. And he's got a series where he plays kind of a 30-something uh, actor in New York. And it's just an interesting look at things that we kind of take for granted. You know, there's a great scene where he and another Indian guy, uh, he's East Indian, and there's another East Indian guy, and they're up for a, up for a part, and it's very competitive because they know they both can't get the part. And it's like, why is that? You know, and so it's raising all these questions about, about gender, about race, about um, just all kinds of, of things in life that these guys uh, kind of uh, interact with in the course of their, course of their lives. 
And um, the other thing I like about him is he's like those those guys that he's not really attractive when you you know I mean he's not like a a, a hunk or anything. But the more you get to know him through this part, he's so cool. And it's just, I love people like that, you know, that he just becomes this really cool guy um, that you want to spend time with. And I really love the thing. The other one is um, How to Get Away with Murder. And uh, I don't know if anybody else is watching that, but um, Viola Davis is unbelievable in that. Her character is just, you just have to see it just for that. It's kind of a part of part procedural, part uh, dramatic storyline that, that continues and is that on one of the big three networks? Yeah, it's on or? ABC, and you can watch it on abc.com, but I, you can also catch it on Netflix. There's two seasons now on Netflix. And, you know, she is kind of big and muscular and sexy and 50. And, uh, I mean, she is all these things, breaks down all these stereotypes you have of a woman her age um, who looks like her. She's beautiful and you see these scenes where you realize, wow, every scene I've ever watched where a woman supposedly uh, didn't have makeup on, she had makeup on. You know, she gets really gritty and real in, in these scenes, and it's a really brave performance. And it's very complex. I mean, her character is, you don't know whether to love her or hate her, you know, which is a great character because I love something where you're not sure, is she nefarious or is she just, like, doing things for a greater cause? And it just kind of, I, I love it. And then the last thing, since I am the old person on the panel, is the Great British Baking Show, which is on <laughs> PBS, and it is fantastic. And it's a it's a um, a cooking competition, um, but the people are British. It is the antithesis of American reality television. Um, so it's, it's not like Chopped. No, the people are lovely, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the people who judge are lovely, and the woman who is kind of the. Um, the grand dam of, of the, the judges. Um, she is not a, you know, a Padma Lachkey kind of, she's like 80, uh, really fantastic. And, um, they just go through and do these challenges and you watch them bake. And I've learned so much about baking, um, cause it gets very, um, detailed in, in what creates different textures and, and, uh, uh, really gets down to the kind of the nitty gritty of what, good baking really is. And so I would highly recommend it. It's a little hard to find. You can watch it on pbs.org, but it doesn't... It's not broadcast on OPB? Uh, yes, it is. It is broadcast. You can watch it live, but you can go in and watch it online. And I can never find it when I just go to the pbs.org website. So I usually just search PBS and Great British Baking Show, and then you get to kind of a subpage that you can get to all the episodes on that. And there are two seasons um, up right now. And they're just really delightful. And what's the the um, uh, what what have you learned to bake from from that show? What yeah, what, I don't know. What's the I've, best recipe you've taken away from it? You know, I haven't really baked anything from it, but I've I've realized that like when you make bread, you know how you work the elastic, you know how you engineer the elasticity, how long you proof it, temperature, you know, just all those things. <coughs> like a million different ways to go wrong. Yeah, one. You know, but there are all these things that, that enter into it. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Journey. Mm -hmm. 
your so, top three TV shows. Yeah. So before I, I go on to my stuff, the Great British Baking Show is actually available on Netflix. And oh, fantastic. How to Get Away with Murder is also available on Hulu. Oh, fantastic. I would know. I binge watch. Mm. Um, so speaking of Netflix, actually, a couple of my top picks are on there. Daredevil and Jessica Jones. They're both gritty superhero movies, basically. Both from the Marvel Universe? Yep, both from the Marvel Universe. So, Daredevil takes place in Hell's Kitchen, and uh, Daredevil just goes and gets the bad guys. Like like all good superheroes? Like like all good superheroes. Jessica Jones also does a similar thing. She goes and takes care of the bad guys, but uh, her agenda is actually much more personal. So it's the it's it's really big difference with their agendas and how they deal with the bad guys and who the bad guys are. Daredevil, the bad guy, he's very human. You def- he definitely has emotions, and you, there's definitely good parts of him. But in Jessica Jones, he's, he's, he's nasty. He's just not a good person. My third pick is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It, it's hilarious. Has a great cast. It's constantly funny. There's, I don't think there's been one joke in it that I haven't laughed at. It's, it's really wonderful. And that's the, that's the FX series with uh, Andy Samberg, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I have a, a Netflix uh, show on my list as well, Master of None. Does Roberta? Yeah, I think it's a, a very funny show. I like the writing on it. It's you know the same writing crew behind uh, um, Parks and Rec. Um, Long running show, but I, I think it had a solid season. Was uh, South Park? Um, you know, it, it's always a great uh, bastion of um, lampooning both uh, sides of the uh, political spectrum. My third pick was um, the debut of uh, Late Night with Stephen Colbert on CBS. Um, I mean, now he's you know the He's been off and running for a couple months now, so he has a very, you know, it's kind of, um, I suppose, very routine right now. But it was really fascinating to watch the show unfold over the first two weeks to see, like, how nervous he was during the first few episodes and just uh, stumbling over his lines. And, uh, you know, these interviews that uh, really... um, there, there was no agenda on the on the part of the guests. They weren't there to promote anything. Uh, the interview that they did with Joe Biden was was probably the most uh, you know um, emotionally touching because it was you know uh, really about what what was going on in his life after just losing his son and um, you know and and that being why he's uh, not running um, for for president at the moment. Um, so yeah, it was a highly highly satisfying uh, show to watch debut. Hanson, what's on your list? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't watch much TV. All like, right. Yeah, that's why I texted you <laughs> earlier. I was like, I don't watch much TV. Uh, so I was thinking, like, the, the stuff that I actually wanted to watch or that I actually either downloaded or, like, you guys watched on Netflix or or uh, Hulu. That's what I have, Netflix, Hulu. And, and uh, I just got, like, that Slingbox app the other day to watch real TV for my kids so they can watch cartoons. <laughs> but the shows I've actually watched are... Taking the time out to watch or caught up on. Um, I mean, I think I watched, I caught up on The Walking Dead in like a couple of days or a weekend where, you know, I was, I was just home. And uh, I don't know, just the writing in that show, the, everybody's into The Walking Dead. And, and I was 
I knew about the graphic novels before the TV show. And then when I had heard it was coming out, I watched it in the beginning, then I fell off for a while. Um, interesting storyline. Interesting. interesting uh, I'm not a fanatic about it, but I will watch it to pass the time. Second show that I've gotten into is the only reason I was into the show is because I listened to another podcast, The Preston and Steve Show in Philadelphia. They interviewed the writers before Empire came out about the show, like a month before it even hit Fox. So what I learned about that was that a lot of the writing, they talked to both writers, and a lot of the writing and experiences, even though they're not in music, came from their actual experiences. Like the, the the one character who, you know, his father didn't like the fact that he was gay. A lot of stuff you see in that stuff actually happened to him by his actual dad that he put into the show. And so I had heard about it beforehand. And, of course, anything with music catches my attention. I'll check it out at first. I've kind of fallen off of watching it lately because I can't stand some of the characters. I mean, like the Cookie, whatever her name is. You know, anyway, some of the characters, I kind of haven't watched it lately, but that's, I started watching it in the beginning of the season, then I fell off. Maybe I'll catch up on it, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think another show I watched just to pass the time is uh, Broad City on <laughs> Comedy Central. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I mean, it's it just the way the jokes and the behavior and the stuff you get yourself into, or those two get themselves into on the show, I'm just like, man, I remember what happened to us, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, I watched, I saw the news. I watched that on Hulu and Netflix all the time, um, even if it's old episodes. So, I know the new season's coming out in February, so I'll check that out. But those are the three TV shows that stayed up on yeah. in 2015. Well, it sounds like streaming is the, the name of the game around here. That's, that's how we watch television these days. I know I don't have cable, I just you know, have um, yeah. various yeah. subscription services. Yeah, and that's what so. I was going to get cable like in july and i looked into it and i was like what's the point i'm saving like 60 bucks by not having cable yeah exactly (laughs) i'll just keep doing this well what's nice too is hulu just uh put an option out where for an extra three bucks a month no commercials Mm -hmm. which is worth every penny i think so yeah yeah i bought one of those roku things from my living room and then i you know i put netflix on there hulu on there and then i ended up getting that slingbox app it's like 20 bucks a month for basic TV or the greatest of TV or whatever. And then it was like for an extra $5, it's like the kids package, Hollywood, which is like epics, three epics channels, lifestyle, which is like, you know, love it or list it, house hunters, stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, so I all together cost me like 30 bucks a month for all that TV and the kids watch it. I check it out every once in a while. So it's got like TBS history channel. You know, things like that, so it's good enough for me. Yeah. All right. Honorable mention, our last category, something from the year in arts and culture, anything that struck struck your fancy that you would like to draw attention to. Journey. I would like to draw attention to Kendrick Lamar. We've already mentioned him a couple times in this podcast. And he did have an album come out earlier this year to Pimp a Butterfly, and I've listened to that a couple times, and it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard hitting sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think Daniel uh, Wattenberger, uh, the managing editor, that that is on his uh, top three album list of the year. Nice. Yeah. Um, my honorable mention was the book uh, Sub Pop USA, 
which was published by Bazillion Points. Um, uh, Sub Pop USA is an omnibus of um, issues of the Sub Pop fanzine, uh, which was produced in the um, uh, mid '80s, uh, and, and basically that was a precursor to the label Sub Pop that you know most famously has um, had Nirvana uh, among its roster of bands. But uh, the, the labels initially started off as this fanzine that was focusing on uh, regional independent music. And um, even though, like, 90% of the bands that are discussed in these these back issues, you know, they're never heard of them. They're not around. They maybe released, like, one seven-inch record. But um, it's just a very interesting uh, examination on how uh, somebody was – Bruce Pavitt, the founder of Sub Pop, was uh, – uh, interested at looking at regional art scenes and and really embracing that over uh, you know kind of this nationwide uh, homogenized corporate culture that was you know still persists to this day. Like we're <laughs> um, I don't know for me I I, I find it uh, I'm more, I'm more certainly more interested in what's going on locally and try to embrace that as much as I can. Um, great book, I'd recommend it. Anson, I think for. 2015, I think that I was, I mean, for me to go through music with, it's like asking you what your favorite band is, you know, or what your favorite cooking show is. Or, everybody has that thing where it's like a hard to choose number one. So music, I was getting honorable mentions of music, and that would take me all night. Um, we actually were just talking about that the other day on my podcast. Is we're going through talking about uh, the Young TV raps discussion. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, no, I think one thing, uh, one one notable mention of 2015 is a lot of the podcasts, just like this that I've listened to, that have come out or evolved into better shows. Um, like I came in here and I, I always have one headphone in my ear. I always have one in, one tucked over. I always have my iPod on all the time. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, the Preston and Steve Show, 93.3 WMMR from Philadelphia. I listen to the, the Church of What's Happening Now. Joey Diaz from Southern California. It's pretty, uh, it's a lot of, it's obviously explicit, but he talks about a lot of stuff. This is a guy that's, you know, people remember him from movies such as The Longest Yard and things like that, but he's got one, he's got a really crazy story. And not only that, just really blunt advice. You know, there's a lot of times I listen to that and I have, there's a lot of times. So it's like a Colin show or? No, it's just him and another guy. They do podcasting. That's actually what got me into podcasting. As I hooked up, I got my laptop, got some headphones, sweaters, got things like that. And the stuff they would talk about is just a discussion of just whatever's going on. Um, not just whatever. They bring guests on, obviously, you know. But sometimes it'll just be him and his homie Lee, and they just talk about something that happened like that week, you know. So the church was happening now, and then also the third one was uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. You know, his topics are crazy. He talks about not just – I mean, his topics are so – this is a wide array of topics that it's crazy how the podcast you, you go into iTunes and they're just you know everybody has a podcast you know it's like this year Barack Obama was on Mark Maron's podcast you know he was in his garage you know just it's like when he started out he's like Secret Service is outside my garage right now this is really crazy and yeah Barack showed up and sat in the garage just like this did the hour long and then left so I think it's been something that's been cool to see grow and also just uh, to see other shows coming out. Some people have just been like, well, fine. You know, I know some people that have made a living, that have, I know one of the guys on the church, what's happening now, Lee Syatt, like he's 
actually turned teaching people how to set up podcasts into a career. So he's gone to like, you know, Frisco and other states and had these conventions and show you how to set up your own and stuff. So I think that's, a, I guess, an honorable mention, I guess. Yeah. Of 2015. That totally fits. Roberta? Nice. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. I have a lot of uh, um, older friends ask me, what are these podcasts? <laughs> and, and it's just like radio on demand. It's just radio yeah. you can listen to anytime. Okay. And I, uh, one recommendation I have is if you have not listened to any podcasts, the one I would start with is Radio Lab, and Radio Lab is a phenomenally great. Um, they just go into a um, explore a story that usually has a scientific angle to it. The two, Jad Applebrod and um, Robert Kurlwich are the perfect kind of foils for the audience, asking the same questions you're curious about. And it's just a really engaging thing. Um, and I'm just going to give a, 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 okay, two. Yeah, yeah, sure, okay. sure. Um, the other one, my, my favorite podcast right now, besides Radio Lab, is called Judge John Hodgman. And John Hodgman was kind of a, a semi-regular on The Daily Show um, a lot of people might know him as the Microsoft guy from those Apple commercials. I was just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> but he is really smart, really witty. And so basically what happens is people come uh, before him with complaints. So it might be something like one of them was two roommates, and one of them was really annoyed that the other one, anytime he – a foreign word fell into conversation would pronounce it really explicitly with the accent and it drove him nuts. You know, like he would just say, we'll go out and have tamales, you know, and he wanted to make him stop doing that. And so they go through this whole thing where they lay out their cases and he gives a very thoughtful um, response and it sounds really weird, but it's really enjoyable and, and thoughtful, really thoughtful. So what was uh, Hodgman's um, judgment? He made him quit doing it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then lastly, I just read a great article called User Behavior in Aeon Magazine, and it's an online publication. But search it out, just User Behavior Aeon Magazine. And it really looks at uh, uh, how our uh, streaming entertainment and, and things like, like Facebook, Instagram, um, even slate uh, things that you think are more highbrow journalism and long form journalism are really consciously set up by the web developers and the the programmers to tap into your worst compulsive um, tendencies and they really uh, look at this through the lens of that old BF Skinner um, experiment with the pigeons where when they gave them intermittent re rewards they would peck until they would pass out basically and that's really what a lot of these feeds especially on our phone are they're just this series of intermittent rewards that you could go on and scroll forever every once in a while there's something interesting you never know when it's going to hit and it makes it very compelling and i have that i mean i about three weeks ago just took facebook off my phone decided the entertainment you know i want to listen to more music i want to watch more movies i want to uh, just get into more um Things that I really love in depth instead of just scrolling through and having this constant stream of stuff rolling by. And I can't tell you how much better I'm sleeping, uh, not just putting my phone away like an hour before bed and not, not picking it up. And, 
it's just, you know, I, I do have a little fear of missing out on what's going on on Facebook, but um, I just feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my recommendation. Go and read user behavior. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. As, speaking as somebody who, who ditched their Facebook account uh, <laughs> earlier this year, I, I, I feel I've, I've not missed out on anything. Except maybe some inflammatory political posts, one, yeah. one way or the other. Oh, you got kicked off. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't get kicked off, no. <laughs> um, no, but I think things like this remind us that it is great to listen to, you know, wear out an album and, you know, really delve into something in depth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I listen to all of them, too. So. All right. Well... And speaking of in-depth, uh, this podcast is uh, clocking in at approximately 45 minutes. So uh, hopefully everybody has stayed with us for this long. This is probably the longest episode I think uh, we have done thus far. But I want to thank my uh, panelists once again for uh, bearing with us uh, on this uh, year-end best of episode. Anson Crane, Roberta Lavador, Journey Han, thank you so much for being on the EO podcast. Thank you. See you next year. See you.